Uh, matcha is so good. <laughs> so good. Green tea is so healthy for you. So today we're going to be talking about the psychology of perfectionism and the beauty industry. Now I have experience in Korean entertainment and Emma has experience in the American entertainment world. That's right. So there are some subtle differences, but I think there are also some components that are pretty similar. So we're going to share a little bit of our personal stories and dive into that. We're going to be telling some shocking stories. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obviously was born in Korea, but I'm not super familiar with Korean entertainment standards or anything really like that. So I'm excited to learn a little bit more from your perspective. Do you know a little bit of Korean or Asian beauty standards or nothing at all? I mean, a little bit. You know, I've heard about the emphasis on like a slim figure, mm -hmm. if you will, um, you know, and presenting yourself in a socially acceptable way, you know, not drawing attention to yourself or, or I guess that's really about it. But yeah, you know, I've heard a lot about plastic surgery. I'm sure some of you have also heard about this, but you know, the emphasis on plastic surgery and body modification for, um, or in, in Korean culture, which is funny because, which, you know, I'm sure we can get into it, but it's funny because I, I noticed that in America as well, but perhaps in a different way. So that's, mm. that's about it though. So you are actually inside the K-pop, like Korean entertainment industry. You yeah. weren't like watching from the sidelines or from the outside looking in, you were actually in it yourself as a girl group trainee. You debuted in 2016, I think, right? As a singer. Um, can you dive into how that shit your views on perfectionism and beauty. I would love to hear more about that. So I was born in Korea, but when I was eight, I immigrated. So I technically grew up in America and I went back, but I have, you know, both Korean parents. So I was very like growing up in the Asian culture. Yeah. So when I first went back to Korea to become a singer, I was about 19. And the first thing about I guess the beauty that I remember is that I was looking for towards different auditions because you have to go audition to companies and that's how you like get into the training system mm -hmm. and become a trainee and hopefully you debut one day. And I remember mm -hmm. my aunt's relative, like a far relative, and apparently he was like a manager for some um, Korean actresses, I think it was a long time ago. And our, he came into the living room of our aunt's house and he was kind of like, let me see. Let me take a look at you. You know, there's so many other pretty girls out there. So are you good at singing? Like, what are you good at? And they say it in such like a bold in your face way. And yeah. that's when I was like, oh, my God, I thought I was the prettiest girl <laughs> coming from America. You know, everyone compliments you. But in Korea, it's wow. not like that. They will literally critique every little thing about you. And the Korean beauty standard is a small face. They want you mm. to be small face, slim. Pretty pale. Skin tone isn't really like a big thing anymore. Okay. Um, wow. Perfect nose, big eyes, sankapuru, or like the double eyelids. Mm -hmm. So everything has to be like the perfect portion. And I wasn't that. And screw that guy. I went somebody somewhere else to audition. This this manager, he made me wait six hours just to get an audition. And he like completely ghosted me that day. <laughs> I waited at a cafe for six hours just to get an audition. They test not only your beauty, but your mannerism as well. Wow, that's insane. I mean, I, I haven't had that specific experience yeah. obviously with dance and entertainment, but I mean, that seems really intense to kind of just go for the throat 
Yeah. criticisms like that or I mean it gets worse by the way yeah. <laughs> this is like nothing right I think the most triggering one was when I actually got into like an agency the girl group agency mm-hmm. the day before I auditioned in front of this like the manager there and he was like we're looking for an English group member to join our girl group okay. and I got in I was like oh my god I'm done I'm set for life the next day I go into that company and oh my god I'm telling you, the girls there, the trainee girls, the girl group that I was about to join, those girls are next level. Like, wow. you, like it feels so toxic to say in a 2024. Right. But, you know, when I went in, I thought I will be at least normal, like average, you know. But these girls are the perfectionism of Korean beauty. Like in what way? What do you mean? Oh, I yeah. remember this girl. She was just so pretty in the most Asian standard ever. When okay. we mentioned like... The A-list K-pop celebrities, like the high nose, small face. She was just so beautiful. And I felt like an octopus next to her. That's how like oh pretty God. these girls are. They're like the standards are just like crazy. Um, oh. So I had to like perfect my singing. <laughs> Since like I wasn't the main visual there. Um, so stuff like that. And I remember that manager later on, he was like pretty high up there. And one day... I don't know. I did something to trigger him. Like that's mm. he he had like an anger problem, uh. and then he just looked at me and said, "Damn, I thought you were pretty. You're so ugly. <gasps> You're so ugly." What? Yeah, this is how they talked <laughs> in the industry. Maybe it's a little toned down now because of right. like the whole social media and like people exposing stuff. Like right, me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just kind of like how they talk to you in the K-pop entertainment. Yeah, it sounds a bit toxic. If and that's just my opinion, I suppose, but that does sound a little bit toxic. I mean, you're competing. Let me just tell you, in K-pop, like you're competing with. I don't like to use this word, but like S-class girls. I was a really great singer, mm. and I feel like I had a lot of talents, but it didn't matter. Like the mm. girls who were prettiest were the top. Oh, interesting. So, do you think that there? Not that there's a stronger emphasis on like aesthetics and beauty, but do you think that that actually weighs really heavily in the industry over something like? talent like singing ability i do especially like okay i was a trainee like eight nine years ago and yeah. i think like talent wasn't as like you know shining above the visuals but okay. i don't know if you know i've like one young like mm. she is a top like, like we're talking about like we're competing with these kind of girls and i know in america like everybody has different beauty standards but in korea you have to know that like there's only like almost very few standards yeah mm-hmm. which i understand but this girl is one young Oh, I see. Okay. Like we're talking about this kind of visuals you're wow. trying to compete with. And it just made me feel so small. Yeah. But in a way, that is like what K-pop is. Like that is what entertainment world is. Mm. So I can't complain. Mm. Like the life is about competition. Mm. Just like in the world wilderness. I think anywhere you go, it's competition. So you kind of have to eat that up. Yeah. To your point about having the perfect features, right? Having small, like a nice nose and small. How do you think plastic surgery plays into that? And how do you feel about people getting plastic surgery to achieve said look? Yeah, plastic surgery is a huge thing in Korea. And so it is anywhere else. But I think the difference is in Korea, they focus on the face. Mm. America, they focus on the body. Like, that's what I feel. Yes. Okay. Yeah, like America BBLs and like, 
you know, the glamorous body image, the, you know, I don't know, the liposuctions. Like, that's not right. a thing in Korea. Ah. But in South Korea, it's the rhinoplasty. It's the double eyelids. It's making your face perfect as you can. So I remember it was, it was almost expected to get plastic surgery, but they don't mm. force you. It's not okay. like you have to get it done, but they look at you like oh. the management, the company say, hey, I think you would look pretty with your nose, you know, fixed or maybe your double eyelids. I see. So we go into plastic surgery consultations with our management and they have like a oh, deal wow. where you they will give discount or even free mm -hmm. uh, plastic surgery uh, I think it was discount for us so they said that no surgery would look the best on me and I really hated my jaws because it was square that's another thing mm -hmm. about k-pop is that the v-line like square yeah. jaws is kind of masculine so it has to be a v-line so I went in also wanting to get my jaw shaved <laughs> and I'm looking back like Thank God I never did it because there's so many complications with your jaws, you know. Sure. But I ended up going through with the rhinoplasty mm -hmm. and I got it done and I liked it. But six years later, I had a complication where the silicone just, my body just wanted to attack it. Yeah. So I ended up removing the silicone and desurgerizing. Uh -huh. So it's like, what was the point of going through that? But, you know, I wanted it so bad because all the other girls were so pretty and they got so much attention, so much more like opportunities. And I was so obsessed with my face and looking skinny that it just like ate me up for a while mm. until I came back to America. Mm. Do you think that having been in that industry and having to hyper focus on beauty and like yeah. the intricacies of your face is something that you still, I don't want to say struggle with today, but is it still something that's on your mind regularly today? Um, not yes and no. I think now as I got older and being in America, I, I focus more on my inner energy. Yeah, That's what I love, love about America is that they really look at your inside. In Korea, if I go to Korea next month, let's say, mm. I will be so self-conscious of my face. Yeah, Like if we don't wear makeup mm. to the grocery store, like we get self-conscious. I cannot wear pajamas to the grocery store. No, you have to look at least somewhat presentable. Uh, it's interesting to me how in America, there is this emphasis on independence and being unique and wearing and doing yeah. and expressing yourself however you want. But in Korea, it sounds to me, based on what you're saying, obviously, that there is a lot more of an emphasis on looking socially acceptable. Yeah. And like that in some form, if you aren't appearing or dressing that way, that it's somehow shameful for you mm -hmm. to be dressed like wearing sweatpants to the grocery store. For yeah. I love Korea, obviously, I love my culture, but that's one part that I don't know. I don't know why it became such a big thing. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I really appreciate about your content and your channel and the way that you speak about your experiences mm -hmm. is that you can acknowledge, you know, the impact of body modifications and plastic surgery on yourself, any procedures that you've had done. But you also focus a lot on natural beauty products or enhancing yeah. and using makeup to like and I guess enhance your features and not totally change your face into some crazy, you know, no offense to anybody that contours, of course, but yeah. you know, it's not about contouring to create a whole other face on top of your face. Um, you, you really emphasize the natural aspect of beauty when you focus on outer beauty, but of course also inner That's beauty. actually ironic because I feel like in an Asian culture, they go for the natural makeup. Yeah. But mm -hmm. they get a lot of plastic surgery done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really, that's really interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm so, I would be curious to know like how many people or what percentage of the population in Korea has actually had 
plastic surgery done? I think it was a, a very, it was very high. I mean, yeah. there's plastic surgery clinics everywhere if you go to in, in Korea. But in contrary, in America, a lot of people don't get things done on their face, I feel mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. but go for the very unnatural makeup. Yes. I yes. Feel. I would agree with that. And I feel like, you know, maybe we'll, we'll get to this, maybe not, mm-hmm. but I used to work in the entertainment industry and I definitely agree with that, that there is such an emphasis on extreme <laughs> body modification yeah. in a way that truly um, looks unnatural. You know, not that it's supposed to look natural per se, but yeah, it's like the idea of go mm-hmm. big or go home. It's, mm-hmm. you, you know, I got a BBL that like obviously does not look proportional to the yeah. body or, you know, and again, that's that's not me trying to say anything bad about plastic surgery. It's just calling out the differences, like you're saying with Korean versus American plastic surgery, there's definitely an emphasis on like the bigger chest and yeah. the bigger bottom, the bigger rear and yeah, the face more contoured, more masculine, like you said, having that really cut jawline. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting. Like buckle fat removal is a thing here, but in Korea, mm-hmm. that's like, I don't think any surgeons will do that because wow. it will make you look older. In Korea, it's all about looking younger. Looking young. And diets are a very extreme, well, it could seem extreme. Mm. Um, I remember when I was filming my first ever music video in 2016, uh, it was two weeks before I did the fittings for my, outfit, my outfits. And one of, it was, it was a different company than the girl group. And one of our management, honestly, he was very mean. <laughs> he was nice, but at the same time, yeah. Anyway, he, he looked at me as we were doing fittings, and I guess there was a little bit of like blob on my stomach. I think I was only like 105 pounds or something wow. like that. Same Jeez. as now. Now I'm five foot four. You're so t- yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. Tall, but you know, every, I, I guess I wasn't like toned, you know. Mm. And he looked at me and said, "You need to get rid of that, or we're not filming." <gasps> what? Yes. And two weeks within two weeks, I remember. What do I do? Oh my God, I am fat. So um, the company, one of the person that was working there, she would cook a lot for us. So we got a little bit of spinach, a little bit of chicken, literally it was like this much for lunch, two clementines a day. And I did that like lunch and dinner. I think I ate less than 500 calories for two weeks, almost passed out, filmed my music video. But the funny thing is in wow. like TV, you don't look that skinny compared to you in real person. Right. Maybe like they say like cameras put you like five to 10 pounds. Yeah, that's 10 anyway. pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that was very, very extreme thing that I will never do again. But just the way they talk to you, the way they emphasize that beauty to you, I think also was a problem, at least back then. I don't know what it's like now. That really triggers with your mental health as well. <sighs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's all take a breathe a sigh of relief that you're no longer having to deal with that. But, you know, I don't know how people will hear about this, but at the same time, I understand the beauty standard. Like, I understand okay. that if you're in front of the camera and you are in front of the masses, you have to appeal visually. We have eyes. It's not like we're all blind. Mm-hmm. Physical beauty does matter to some extent. And... I understood that back then. Like I understood why I wanted plastic surgery, why I wanted to be prettier. Mm. And of Mm. course there's toxic parts of it, but in a way, sickly, I enjoyed it back then Mm. because it meant that I was part of the entertainment and part of being a celebrity, part Mm. of being glamorized and getting my makeup done and being recognized by people. Like I, I, I do understand that it exists, physical beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Aesthetics is real, everyone. I think that we 
especially with the moving into more modern times and we're talking about understanding beauty from the inside mm -hmm. and really cultivating that instead of instead of hyper focusing on aesthetics you can't really ignore the fact that aesthetics are a thing it's the same reason why you know if you show up for a job interview if you're wearing clothes that are dirty and stained and it's obvious that you haven't taken a shower there mm -hmm. there is you know kind of i don't want to say valid but in a way valid reason for an employer to maybe question whether or not you are in the best state or frame of mind or if you take care of yourself in a yeah. way that renders you presentable for the job um but yeah aesthetics is real it's part of even with marketing and mm -hmm. selling things like aesthetics is definitely a factor i mean i can't deny that um physical beauty is it's, it's somehow it sparks a primitive part of us mm. you know like they say if a man looks at a woman with you know curves or beauty or like that old classic beauty you know it makes them head turns like there's a reason for that I, i'm not denying that but i think there's a healthy way we can go about it especially in the Korean entertainment industry. I'm not so heavily there anymore, but mm -hmm. it would be nice to see a change. And I think there is a change. I do I do agree with what you're saying that the power of attraction is also a real yeah. thing, you know, like to that point about this primal response or interesting not to bring astrology into this, but I know that you have a Libra rising and the rising sign in astrology represents how you interact with the world around you as well as how other people perceive you. If you have a Libra rising or a Taurus rising, which I actually am also a, well, I'm a Taurus rising, mm -hmm. so we're both ruled by Venus. Venus is the planet of, yes, love and relationships and art and beauty, but it's also the planet of attraction. And I find um, that Libra risings especially, um, they thrive when they allow that side of them to come out and express itself. Like that side of it. That, what kind of side? Like physical beauty? Or yeah, um, sort of. Yeah, like aesthetics and physical beauty mm -hmm. and using that as using that to harness the power of attraction mm -hmm. um i think some people can hate on like you're saying no. like they hate on physical beauty they hate on models or people who've made a living just with their beauty but some people i really feel are destined in a way if you will to find success using that and, mm -hmm. and like using that to, the, to their advantage you know mm, i love that i love hearing astrology from you yes. <laughs> yeah yeah but enough about me with yeah. emma let's talk about the american beauty standards since you grew up here in america um i know you were trained in the classical ballet mm -hmm. Ooh, at the yeah. prestigious the job the Joffrey, is that how you say? Yes. Joffrey Ballet School. Mm -hmm. So let's see how that experience impacted you in the contrary to like me. Yeah. So I think with dance, there is a lot of overlap with what you've mm -hmm. just shared about being in K-pop, although not as much on the face, more about the physical physique with the actual body, because mm -hmm. ballet is obviously a very physical art form, if you will. I mean, it's yeah, it's a very physical art form. And there's an emphasis on performance and visuals. Um, you know, I think with any performance artist, of course, there is an emphasis on does this look appealing, right? Yeah. Um, is this attractive? And with dance, I find that it especially is, it's especially important for the physical body to look a certain way. So mm -hmm. before I get into that, like I did, did want to share a little bit about, you know, how I got into dance. I know you had mentioned being mm -hmm. in the K-pop industry. You said you were 19. Yeah, 19. 19, yeah. So I trained at the Joffrey Ballet School in the pre-professional division. And my goal at the time was to, to have a career as a professional dancer, a ballet dancer. I had been dancing since I was four years old because 
I really was a, sh a shy kid. Um, I wasn't very social. I was kind of insecure. And so dance studios became like that safe space where I could express everything that I really struggled to articulate verbally. Mm. Um, you know, I've shared this before. I think I might've mentioned it one of the last times that we spoke, but I also used to struggle with like selective mutism. So really, Wait, yeah. what is that exactly? You don't speak. Yes. Yeah, so I couldn't speak. I had social anxiety and also selective mutism. Um, selective meaning that uh, it's not all environments that I was mm. mute, but certain environments where I was, and they happened to usually be social environments. Most notably was when I was in school, I, I wouldn't, I wasn't able to like open my mouth and share or contribute if I was called on or if I willingly wanted to say something. I remember wanting to speak, but nothing came out of my mouth when mm. I opened my mouth to speak. Were you diagnosed or like? So I wasn't formally diagnosed, mm -hmm. but I have spoken to several doctors, mm. I suppose, like that I met, you know, when I was working in nightlife or, yeah. you know, just in my own life who told me more than likely that that was what it was. So that's the other thing I was going to say. I'm glad you mentioned that is I was not formally diagnosed. So I do want to make that like really clear. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to self-diagnose. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been told that it's likely mm -hmm. was that. Um, so anyway, I started dancing when I was uh, four. I started dancing when I was four. And by the time I was 13 is when I had started training at the Joffrey Ballet School. And I think for me, it really shaped my mindset and self-image during some really important years. Because when you are 13 years old, you are starting to um, cultivate and hone your own independence and your own mm -hmm. identity. And identity is interesting to me because like self-identity, it's how you identify yourself personally, like from the inside, I suppose. But then there's also this component of identity that is like what distinguishes you from other people. Mm -hmm. So it's like a comparison, but not from the aspect of somebody is better or worse. It's just a simple comparison of, oh, I'm short and you're tall, for example. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that inherently either way. Yeah. It's just a simple, like that's how I identify and distinguish myself. I'm five foot two and she is five foot four, you know? The thing is though, with dance kind of similar to K-pop in a way is it was very, there was a lot of perfectionist mindset going on. You know, things had to be perfect. Your technique had to be just right. You know, you had to have a great performance quality. You had to have great movement quality. Um, you had to be musical. You had to be slim, I think, above anything else. Like there was a large emphasis on weight and not being even what science would consider like normal size or having a normal BMI. It was kind of looked down on. I know that in other countries like France and China, Russia, um, some of the people that I've met and heard stories from that dance there, it's even worse than in the United States. And you're talking about like ballet, the way you look like the skinny, the classic ballet people we think about. That's right. Yeah. So the desired look for classical ballet mm -hmm. is being tall but apparently not too tall because they don't want you to be too heavy either to the point mm -hmm. where you're hard, hard to lift. Um, I don't know. But yeah, tall, long, slim, hyper mobile. Um, so, you know, hyper, ex hyper extended legs and arms. Um, mm. Really, I guess in ballet, they call them banana feet, but really like arched, like arched feet, feet mm. sort of from the ankle, not just the arch. Um, very slim, very long. Um, and kind of to your point, when you said with K-pop, you you understand mm -hmm. why the standard is that way because of the aesthetics. This might be an unpopular opinion. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand like visually why 
ballet seeks that out because when you have people doing this graceful movement, mm. um, yeah, I mean, it does look very beautiful when you have a line that's created, you know, a hypermobile leg line or something. Um, it's, it is beautiful. So mm -hmm. I do understand, even if I don't agree, you know, why that is what the standard, if mm. you will, is in ballet. I struggled also with body image issues, I suppose. And for me, it's not that I'm overweight. Um, I'm five foot two. Well, how, what was the age where you felt that? That's right. You don't, I don't think you'll feel that at four. Right. So it was really when I was 13, 13. Mm. That's when I started dancing at the Joffrey. And I started seeing, you know, more people who dance not for fun, but people who actually are trying to pursue mm -hmm. this as a career, people who like have the ideal ballet body. Um, and so, yeah, there was a whole different level and height of competition. And um, that's when I started noticing initially this fixation on little parts of my body. And when you're a dancer, right, when you're any type of dancer, but especially ballet, you spend all day staring at yourself in the mirror, like mm. trying to get your positioning right of your legs and your feet. And, and naturally, when you also have teachers who are taking their cane and like smacking your stomach with it and your butt and being like, this is too big, you need to fix that. You know, day after day after day after day, you sort of end up training yourself to look at that no matter what. So for me, a lot of the body image issues that I started developing were not necessarily about my face. Mm. Interestingly enough, they were about my actual body. And so for me, I felt a little bit out of control with dance because I can't change how tall I am. I can't like grow six inches and then like take all my fat out just like with a snap mm -hmm. of a finger. So for me, I tried to adjust in other ways, right? Which led to, I don't know, not an eating disorder, but sort of disordered eating or odd eating habits. I knew that I couldn't grow. I couldn't force myself to grow. Um, I had no control over my height, but I could control perhaps how thin I was mm -hmm. to a certain extent, right? And I'm already... You know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not overweight. I've mm -hmm. never been overweight. Um, I was a normal sized person, um, but the industry, the dance industry, you know, you see a lot of people who the struggle bony, with- yeah. Bellies, yeah. Very bony, very like no fat. People are losing their menstrual cycles because there's not enough fat on their body. And I know other people who are athletes can also attest to that. I've heard about that, like in gymnastics and stuff oh, as yeah. well. Even skating in K-pop. Yeah. What so, kind yeah. of extreme diet did you do? So for me, a lot of it was just eating like vegetables and fruit, mm. trying to not eat carbs. Yeah, so did it was you really- end up achieving that bony look? I definitely noticed that I got thinner, but I think I always knew that that was not right. Mm. You know, like I always knew that the way that I went about achieving that was not healthy. And it was also something that took a toll kind of similar to what you said on my mental health. Um, side note here, physical and mental health are connected. And I think fortunately that's something that the world is accepting and starting to actually want to understand mm -hmm. is how are these things actually connected. Are there any stories of competitions in the industry, like favoritism? I do think that I was fortunate to be dancing at a school that did see and recognize the talent that I had. And there were, I think, actually times where instead of being the person who was often overshadowed maybe by favoritism, mm. there were maybe other people that felt that I was favored in a way and they were being overshadowed it's I, I can't say that with certainty but it's just 
Like um, in terms of how like she, your teacher would. Right. Like getting, you know, getting opportunities to, to have certain roles or to, um, you know, they'd bring in like guest artists, you know, from other big companies. Um, I know like Complexions was one of the ones that we worked with really closely and people from So You Think You Can Dance. Um, I don't know if anybody's familiar. Do you know what that show is? No. So You Think You Can Dance. It's a competition dance show. Um, it was really big back in the time, back in the day, if you will. I'm sure it still is, but, um, you know, they bring in all these guest artists. Some of them did commercial dance and they were casting for music videos or TV or movies. Some of them were ballet companies. Um, it didn't really matter. Like they'd have people come from all over the place and do, um, you know, set pieces on it. Oh, so your image didn't really affect your opportunities. Correct. But I will say that if we're talking about favoritism for ballet, then I do suppose that, yeah, there have been plenty of times where I've gone to an audition for, you know, these world renowned companies and I would get cut within the like second or third round because, I mean, I, I don't know because they don't tell us, but I would notice that everyone that was getting cut alongside me were people who maybe didn't have that much formal training or people that obvious, obviously, if you will, didn't have the physique that they were looking for the long legs, the short torso, the hypermobility. Um, it's mm -hmm. it's like you wouldn't even get past the middle round, and that's how ballet auditions work. Is everybody shows up, we all have a number, mm -hmm. and they just cut you as they move along. So um, in that regard, I think yes, you know, body image did play a role in not perhaps granting me certain opportunities, um, but I found more success in contemporary dance, which is you know Julie, the woman that I had mentioned. Um, in, in that area, the, the body isn't as important, mm -hmm. I think, in a way, like the standard isn't as, as tight or exact. Um, so I found more success in that. And I think that's part of why maybe, you know, I've, I felt like I wasn't being overshadowed in that in that department, you know, maybe that I yeah. actually thrived in that in that area. Mm, so I guess like you, like you said, beauty is in the eye of beholder and the career path you're in. K-pop, you know there's a certain look, ballet, there's a certain look. And once you switch to contemporary, did you see more success? Yes, definitely. I definitely did. And so I think that's part of what really made me realize that standard of beauty, you're right, it's very strict in one area, but not in other areas, mm -hmm. even within the realm of dance. You know, it's it was crazy to see, <clears throat> it was crazy to see the difference um, in the same industry, if you will, but just different styles of dance. The same standards didn't necessarily uphold themselves in there and if you think about if you know if you take that even further there's hip-hop and there's street dance and yeah. pole dancing there's all forms and styles of dance and it's it's very true that in some of those styles no one really cares if you have mm -hmm. long legs and a tiny torso you mm -hmm. know they don't really care about that and i think that that's really a really beautiful thing actually mm -hmm. to be honest did you have any jealousy of the other girls did you feel jealousy Yes, definitely. Especially because, like I said, I was 13 years old and a lot of the people that I was in training with were already 18, 19, some 15-ish, um, but they were already going out for these auditions and getting jobs and getting offers. And I think there was a part of me that felt, I suppose, yeah, jealous, but about things that I knew were out of my control. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what made it just stew within me and really made me sort of like beat myself up about mm -hmm. these things is it wasn't like, oh, I'm jealous because this person is getting this opportunity and they have like really great technique and, you know, all these things that like I could just work on myself and maybe find myself in the same situation or have similar opportunities. It was things like the body image where I'm like, wow, I really can't even compete that. So yeah, I do think that I experienced jealousy 
Yeah, and it was mainly from that angle, you know, of, shoot, I can't change this about myself, and now I'm just going to let it bother me, I suppose, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. How did you feel about listening to the Korean industry? And I'll tell you about. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting because while I'm not familiar with Korean beauty standards, I have heard a lot of what you Mm -hmm. said, a lot of this talk about double eyelid surgery and rhinoplasty and the facial features. Um, but a lot of it is just what I've read on the internet, you know, or what I hear or, or see trending on TikTok. But to hear from somebody who is actually in the industry and confirm that mm-hmm. yes, these things do happen. And yes, this is actually the standard. Um, that was really insightful and mm-hmm. eye-opening for me. Um, and I see the parallels mm-hmm. in some form with, with dance, for example, here in America, um, while also you know, noticing the differences. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that like dance, ballet, like specifics kind of like that also had like a beauty standard. Yeah. And I didn't think that it would affect anything in America because America is so like inclusive, you know, all is beautiful. Yeah. But anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Let us know what you guys have thought about and what your experience was with beauty in your path of career. I don't know what do you guys do. But I'm sure it exists in other careers as well. Yeah, we would love to know if whatever industry you're in, you know, do you find that there is a struggle with body image or physique or beauty or anything like that? We'd love to know. So drop it in the comments. (laughs) All right. Tune in for our next episode.